Well, praise the Lord. <clears throat> I, I agree with Lindsay. Uh, fellowship time around here can really get to be long. And some of you act like you hadn't seen anybody, hadn't seen them in three or four months. And, uh, but we're certainly glad for every one of you to be here this morning, to be in the house of the Lord. I tell you, it's been a beautiful, well, the last few days have been beautiful, uh, starting off. Uh, uh, temperature-wise and, and everything. But we're so glad for you to be here. I have great expectation today. I was talking to Pastor Fred here just a minute ago, and I said, do you know when the first time I, uh, that we met? And uh, uh, at first he said, yeah, and then he realized I asked him a question. <laughs> and uh, I said it was about 40 or 50 years ago. I can't remember who. <laughs> and uh, he was pastoring another church. I don't know. I was trying to figure it out somewhere between 25 and 30 years ago. I guess somewhere in there. And uh, he says close to 30. I look real good pickled for 30 years and everything. But we're glad to have him. Uh, some of you don't get it. That's fine. Uh, we're glad to have him today. And I, I tell you what, the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sometimes we don't even know when that truth is putting itself right in front of us. But Pastor Fred has always been someone that brings truth out and explains it because the Holy Ghost has inspired him. And we're grateful for him this morning. Amen. Now, we are going to be taking up a love offering at the end of the service, so I'm just preparing you for it, okay? Uh, and so you'll be prepared for it also. Pastor Fred, come. We're so glad to have you today. Wish your wife would have come, oh, but like we you. understand. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. Well, good morning, New Life Church. Delighted to be here with you today. Uh, Valerie is not with me. She usually is, but uh, she's preaching uh, in a church in uh, Citygate Church in South Haven, Mississippi this morning. So we're kind of spread out. Uh, my son's family is uh, up in uh, New England. My daughter's family's down in Florida. And uh, here I am in Jackson, Tennessee. But I couldn't be with a finer group of people or a greater heritage in the spirit than here at New Life. And just appreciate you so very much. Uh, you, you know, you were being very prophetic uh, in even the introduction because I've heard some sorry introductions before. <laughs> but uh, in this one, you did pretty good. And uh, I appreciate the, about bringing out truth Sometimes about things that we're familiar with, but you know, familiarity, what's the old saying? Familiarity can sometimes breed a certain level of contempt and we forget what it, it was really meant to be about. So I want to talk with you this morning about a great truth uh, from God's Word, of course, and I really just have a one-verse text. And we're going to break it down and then look at some ways that this works out in our lives. I want to talk with you this morning about transformation. My text is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, 
Say being transformed. See, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. It's a process. I, I, I contend that this is the process of life for everyone who is alive in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on. Well, I believe this verse is intended to show us what's going on as we break it down. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Holy Spirit. You know, the first thing I'd like to point out is that I appreciate the writings of the Apostle Paul as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit and the way that he speaks to us as Southerners. But we all. Sounds a lot like you all, don't you think? And something that we can relate to. But we all. This is a word for all of us, not just some of us. All of us who desire to live as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. This is a word for us. This is the process that began when we were born again and is continuing on until we are caught up together with him. When all of this glory will be fulfilled and made manifest. But we all with unveiled face. Now that particular phrase tells us the context of this scripture. Because if you read in the verses that precede this here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll see that the apostle is talking about the difference between the ministry of the law of Moses and the ministry of the Spirit. We're to be of the ministry of the Spirit. But you know, sometimes we don't really understand or recognize the ministry of the Spirit, and we can very easily default back to the ministry of the law. The problem with that is that the letter does what? Kills. But the Spirit gives life. In fact, the ministry of the Spirit is a far greater glory than even Moses would know. You may recall, and you can read it there in 2 Corinthians 3, that when Moses would go into the presence of the Lord, he'd be in that presence and the glory of God would begin to manifest upon his countenance. I mean, his, his countenance would just shine with the glory of God. So he would put a veil over his face. Why? So that the children of Israel would not see the glory begin to fade because the farther he was from that experience with God, the more the glory would start to fade away. He had a veiled face. The good news is that in the ministry of the Spirit, there's not supposed to be any veil on our face. Aren't you glad about that? In fact, we're to be like an, I call it an open-faced sandwich. You know what an open-faced sandwich is? It's just laying there open. You know what's in the sandwich. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to take a peek, okay? You know what's there. That's how we're to live our lives, as transparent, authentic, God-glorifying Christians. Nobody should have to ask, gee, I wonder if they're a Christian. 
you know, it should be an obvious thing as the light drives out the darkness. You see, the glory of the ministry of the Spirit far excels whatever glory Moses and the children of Israel would have known. This is such a better covenant in which you and I live, and yet sometimes we forget what is the goal. What is the process that's taking place? It's the process of transformation until we are totally and completely transformed into His glorious image. Anybody up for that? That, That's what this is about. It really is. So beholding as in a mirror. Well, what mirror? Well, James speaks of the Word of God as being like a mirror. When we look at the Word of God, we see the truth of God's Word. We know that His Word is what? It is spirit and it is life. And the entrance of His Word into our lives, in the renewal of our minds, it brings light. It brings the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. God does not want us to be uninformed about His glory. He wants us to know his glory. He wants us to come into his presence, praise God, and and enjoy the times of refreshing that are there in the presence, in the glory of God. So the mirror of God's word, what does it say? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Wow, we don't have to live in the dark. We don't have to live as though there's a veil over our eyes and we're just kind of feeling our way around lost in the darkness. No, this is a whole new thing, this ministry of the Spirit. And we need to fully not only appreciate it, not only acknowledge it, but embrace it all to the glory of God. We're being transformed into His image from glory to glory to ever greater glory. I I believe that just tells us it's a process, folks. In fact, it is the ongoing, lifelong process of walking in faith with Jesus Christ by the Spirit having our minds renewed by the Word of God, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. One more time. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Here's the mirror. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in every one of our lives. So Father, I pray right now that you would help us to see and perceive this work, this ministry of the Spirit as we are being transformed into your glorious image. Help us to hear and to understand what your word is saying to us, what the Spirit is quickening to us here at New Life right now this morning. Lord, 
quicken the desire of our heart to long for this transformation because it is all to the glory of the Lord our God. You might remember that a couple of going on maybe three months ago now, we went through what the church calls Holy Week. Holy Week began with Palm Sunday, continued through Good Friday, and finally we celebrated Easter. Oh, that really wasn't the end of the process. Later on came Pentecost. We'll talk about that. But here is the process that I believe is mirrored before us in the practice of the church. This is why it's so important. It's not just about being ritualistic or religious. It's to show us something. You know, in the early church, when many people were illiterate, Bibles were not available to people, they would put the gospel in stained glass windows. Uh, We were in a medieval church in England last month, and I was fascinated walking around looking at these incredible stained glass windows and the gospel that those windows with the light coming in was telling to the people. It was something they could see, something that they could behold, and it is a marvelous thing. Now, just to bring to your recollection, what was Palm Sunday about? Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey's colt, and the crowds in the street recognize what's going on. They see the word being manifested before them. This is the Messiah. He's coming into Jerusalem to establish his kingdom. And the crowd starts to go wild. They start waving palm branches, hence Palm Sunday, in the air. Many of them begin to take off their outer garments and lay them in the street so that this donkey's coat Jesus was riding upon would step upon it. They were paving the way with their praises. They were so excited to see the prophetic word being fulfilled. And many of them who'd had doubts or been skeptical or had been listening to the Pharisees and the scribes began to ask the question, why are they letting him do this? I mean, do they know something we don't know? Well, the truth was they didn't know as much as the the crowd knew just by seeing what was happening before their eyes. You know what that was? I call that a glimpse of glory. They saw something that their hearts had longed for. Do you long to be in the presence of God? Do you long for the glory of God? Maybe maybe that's just something for our generation, Prentice. I don't know. You have to get it to be our age before you start to really, you know, think about that a lot. And you're thinking, you know, there are better things than just grinding it out day after day. And I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, we need a restoration of that in our hearts. An appreciation for the fact that it's not just about here and the now. It's about a glorious future, praise God, in which we shall all be transformed in his presence. They caught a glimpse of glory. Jesus departs from Jerusalem. Then we celebrate what's called Good Friday. Ever wonder why they call it Good Friday? Because frankly, it doesn't look like a lot of good was taking place there. We know what happened on Good Friday. Jesus is arrested He's beaten, 
he suffers at the hands of the Romans, at the hands of the Pharisees, at the hands of the crowd. He's mocked, he's scorned, he's put on trial, he's convicted even though he had committed no sin. He's convicted, he's condemned, and finally he is nailed to a cross and he is crucified. That I'm going to call his day of demolition. A glimpse of the process of transformation, a glimpse of glory, followed by a day of demolition. But the story didn't end there, did it? Because on the third day, he rose again. Remember the old song, Up from the grave he arose, (laughs) a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. He lives forever with his saints to reign. Oh, friends, that should be the song of our hearts. Not just at Easter, but all the time. As we think about this risen Savior, our glorious Lord, this one who didn't die for his sin, he died for mine. He died for yours. He died for the sin of the world in order that we may be redeemed by the love of God. And on that third day, he rose from the dead in glorious victory and triumph. That, my friends, was Resurrection Day. That was a new day. It heralded a new beginning. Things were not going to be like they were before. Jesus wasn't going to constantly be walking about with a handful of disciples going from place to place. But rather his life was going to be poured out in the hearts of all who believe. And everywhere they went, they were going to be taking the glory of God with them. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God that shone on the face of Christ. It was a new ministry. But first, they would have to wait. Boy, you know, waiting's a lot like dying for most of us. It is not our favorite activity. Uh, You know, the Bible says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. You know what my cross is? Impatience. I'd rather see it done yesterday. I, I, I want to rush things. I, I don't like to wait around. Let's, let, you know, let's get it on. You know, lock and load. Let's go for it. And instead, what we hear by the Spirit is that we're to wait. They were still receiving glimpses of glory because Jesus kept appearing to them. But he said, you must wait in this room and pray until you receive what? The promise of the Father. Folks, I'm just preaching gospel to you, okay? But I I feel like today in the world in which we are, the gospel's kind of gotten lost. It's sort of been dissected and broken up until we we don't have a real clear picture of what was God doing. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the gospel story. This is the story that should be on our lips. This should be the story that we're living out in every one of our lives and just reminding ourselves this is the course This is the way. This is the truth and the life. This is what we're to live in. And so this 120 disciples who waited in that upper room, 
who saw these continuing glimpses of glory as he would make these kind of random appearances to them, they were there on the day of Pentecost when the promise of the Father was fulfilled. I preached Father's Day at uh, Renewal Church, uh, our home church where our son now pastors, and uh, I, was, I was talking about the promise of the Father. I said, you know, fathers keep their promises. That's one of the callings of being a spiritual father. We don't make promises to people, especially our wives, our children, our grandchildren. We keep those promises. We don't make them if we don't intend to keep them. That's how we are like our heavenly father. He kept his promise. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and oh my, it was game on now. They couldn't even stay in the upper room if they'd wanted to. They came pouring out into the streets, and they became a glimpse of glory to the crowds in Jerusalem who witnessing, I mean, when people's heads are on fire and strange things are coming out of their mouth, it got people's attention. And they began to cry out, what must we do to be saved? Friends, I believe we need that kind of an outpouring in America today. I, I believe there is so much venom, so much hatred, uh, so much cynicism, so much criticism, uh, uh, so much, I, I don't know what life is like here in Jackson, Tennessee, but uh, over here in Memphis, we've reclaimed the murder capital of the country and uh, as our title. And, and there's just so much that is going on that is degrading and demeaning tearing people down, denying people all the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's so important, I believe, that we once again have clarity about the gospel message and how we're going to live it out to the glory of God Almighty. You've heard me say before that I, uh, I love the fact you, you got a cross up there on your sign. I go in some churches, you can't find a cross Nobody seems to know what to say about it. It's like, oh, well, those are, that's all kind of out of date. And, you know, the cross is kind of behind us. Well, you don't remember the little song. Remember the little song? It wasn't the cross behind. It was the world behind me, the cross before me. This is the way that we are to walk. This is how we are to go. It's by that cross. You know, I, I don't look at the cross as a negative. I don't see a minus sign. I look at the cross and I see a plus sign. And I start thinking about Jesus because he died on that cross, a sinless sacrifice. I think about all he added to us. He's given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. I mean, we didn't deserve any of it. And yet we get it all. We, we, we get the glory of God. In John 17, where he's praying, Father, I pray that they be one as you and I are one, that they may be one with us. He says, Father, I've given them the word that you gave to me. I've loved them with the perfect love with which you've loved me. And I have given them the same glory that you gave to me. Folks, the glory of God is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Yes, there will be a magnificent expression of that in heaven. 
But right now, right now, Jesus didn't say, I give this to them when they die. No, right now, that's the transformation part. That's the process that we're to be going into. If we're being transformed into his glorious image, it's not just going to become by minor modifications of our lifestyle and behavior. It's going to take more than that. I was preaching in uh, Brockville, Ontario, which is about an hour south of Ottawa a couple of Sundays ago. And uh, as I was preaching, I noticed there were three men sitting toward the back. And they seemed really caught up in the message. And they're elbowing each other. And, you know, I like to read lips when I'm preaching, so be careful. And, uh, you know, and well, I saw one of them point at the guy next to him and say, that was for you. You know, and, uh, and so it was really kind of encouraging. And I brought it up to the pastor at the end of the service because they all raised their hands to come to Christ. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, they come in here about it once a month. And, and they get all excited and everything. But then when they realize what this is really about, what really happens in this process, because it's wonderful to get a glimpse of the glory of God, but as Peter said on the day of Pentecost when they cried out, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just another way of saying, die. Die and bury yourself, okay? That's what this is really about. See, once they started counting the cost of this wonderful, exciting word, the gospel that they were hearing, they were like, oh, wow. Because you see, these three men had a reputation for being the three toughest fellows in Brockville, Ontario. They were brawlers. They were in the bars. They were beating each other and other people up on a regular basis. They want couldn't let go of that reputation because that's how everybody knew them that they just kind of wanted a, the blessing of God on top of that that's not how this works folks transformation doesn't work that way I, any of you ever watch home and garden television what's your favorite show fixer uppers that's right have I shared this before I didn't think I had here fixer uppers anybody know fixer uppers Chip and Joanna Gaines you yeah, they're Christians you know they're Christian people. Now, they don't preach or quote scriptures or, you know, or bless God this and bless. They're not on TBN. They're on HGTV. But what they're doing is they're living it out. They're, 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 they're marketplace ministers, if you will. And now Val and I travel a lot. So we're hardly ever home two or three weeks in a row. And so if we want to keep up with the show, we have to binge watch. So we'll sit down and we'll watch four or five episodes just bing, 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 bing like this. And during one of those binge-watching times, I began to realize, you know, there's a pattern here. What do they do? They enter into an agreement with a couple who, for reasons beyond my imagination, want to move to Waco, Texas. I'm like... <laughs> Waco, Texas. We, what, well, you say Waco for the wackos, you know. But anyway, but Waco, Texas, which is basically just a truck stop. But anyway, and uh, bigger than that now, I guess. But, uh, and they want to move to Waco, Texas. And so the gains go out and they'll find like two or three different homes that are possibilities for them to renovate. And they bring them to the property and they walk them around and they start casting vision. Now they don't call it 
we're going to cast vision for you. They're just talking to them. And I loved it. Uh, one of the ones we saw just on this, after we came home from this last trip, they take this couple into the middle of nowhere, Texas. Texas has a lot of nowhere. I mean, just don't see anything. And it was on an acre lot like these people wanted. It was a shack. I mean, there's no other polite way to say it. This thing was a run-down shack. Anybody see this one? Uh, you know, I, the couple are looking at each other like, what? Do they think we're crazy? You know, th- this can't possibly be transformed into anything that would be livable, much less be our dream home. And see, that's where a lot of people, I think, give up. We, we thought that there was a different way to be transformed, But when we found out the truth of the matter, we were like, you know, everybody's not up to renovation. I mean, you know, some people just want, you know, the turnkey thing. I want a brand new house with brand new stuff and all that kind. But boy, renovating some old, especially a shack. But they take them through and they cast the vision. And this was the first house. And they said yes. And so now comes the next thing. Anybody remember what the next day is? Demo day. Here we go, demo day. Glimpse of glory, what could be? Demo day. This is Chip Gaines' favorite day. He puts on his coveralls. He gets out his demo tools. They do not include a screwdriver. He gets out his chainsaw and his sledgehammer. He is into serious. I've seen this guy literally throw himself through a sheetrock wall. I mean, literally. Now, if I did that, you know what I'd hit? That two-by-four right in the middle right there, because I have no idea where those are, but he obviously has the smarts to know that. He just loves, in one day, he utterly demolished that shack. In fact, there was hardly anything left of it, except maybe some material they thought they could clean up and use in the new place. So there it was, a glimpse of glory. We all like a glimpse of glory, don't we? I mean, we see the glory of God manifest in some wonderful way, and we're like, oh, wow. But then comes demo day, and we're like, well, I don't know. Uh, That looks hard. That looks painful, okay? Following demo day comes the third day. They raise the new house. It's a resurrection, if you will. But it doesn't look a thing like the old thing. It's a brand new thing. And it's all to the glory of God. You see this, watch that program next time and think about it. Glimpse of glory, day of demolition, and resurrection. And you'll see it over there preaching the gospel in the marketplace by how they do business. What a novel idea. I think it was Augustine said, preach the gospel and if you must, use words. <laughs> because really, our lives are to be a demonstration of the gospel to one another, certainly to our children. I mean, don't we owe that to them? But also to anyone who crosses our path. We're to be a living manifestation of the glory of God. This is really what it's about. You know, uh, well, there are many examples. I, I don't, I'm desperately looking for a clock. I was in a clock up in uh, Ontario. No, I was in Alberta in this church, and I looked on the wall. The biggest clock 
I have, it looked like it should have been on top of a 20-story building. It was a gigantic clock. And I thought, this is a time-conscious church. Apparently, apparently this one doesn't give a rip one way or another. But anyway, so what time do you quit? I'm, 10 till, what time is it? Oh, I'm right there. Okay, I'm right there. And, uh, but there are many examples. How about, how about Peter? Peter, he's great, didn't he? The guy, the disciple with foot and mouth disease. He's a great guy. I love Peter. And uh, Jesus turns to him one day and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he opens his mouth in faith and out comes, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter. I think he must have wondered, whoa. And he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter had opened his mouth in faith and God filled it with something he didn't know up here. But something the spirit of God knew in here. And out comes this glorious glimpse of glory. This revelation. And immediately Jesus begins to commend and affirm his disciple. He, he changes his name, he, you know, he, he gives him authority to bind and to loose and all this good stuff. And then Jesus begins to talk about day two, demolition day. I'm going to be given into the hands of sinful, wicked men and I'm going to suffer and die. And Peter freaks. He freaks. He takes Jesus aside. This is not good. This is not a good gospel. The crowds are not going to lie. This is not popular. You should not be talking this way. Don't talk about the cross and all that dying stuff. Let's just talk about the blessings and the happy clappy and all the rest of it. <laughs> Which kind of reminds me of, you remember the, the gains? You remember what their little tagline is? The, the, long, the long version is, uh, we are transforming our community one house at a time. I thought. That's a good word for the church. But the shortened part is really good. And if you will forgive me in advance for using their vernacular, okay. The short form is we take crappy and make it happy. Now, I kind of pushed back at that a little bit when I first heard it. And you know what I saw? I saw the face of God smiling at me. And I suddenly realized... Oh, oh yeah, that was me, wasn't it? Crappy. <laughs> Just a big mess. <laughs> and, and you transformed me, so why should I resent that? See, that's the process. That's where Peter balked. It's where we balk all the time. Oh, we love the glory. Oh, yeah, we'll run around all over town looking for it. But then when we realize what comes next, the day of demolition, we're, we're backing up. We're like the pitcher that balks on the mound, you know. And No, no, this, this is that not embracing demolition. This is what we must come to if we're going to be transformed into his glorious image, praise God. Some of you might have wondered, what does Fred have in the sack? This is what I have in my sack. Anybody know what this is? It's a floaty. If you've got kids or grandkids, you know what these are. They're floaties. Our five-year-old granddaughter, Daisy, named for my wife's mother, Daisy, um, she came out of her floaty this week. For the last two summers, 
She's been paddling around the pool wearing one of these things. As soon as the pool opened this year, my wife, Grandma Val, started coaxing Daisy. Let me take those floaties off and Grandma will begin to show you how to swim properly. And uh, she was like, no, no, I'm afraid, and whining, the lip comes out. You know, you know, the whole nine yards that little girls do so well is they twist us completely around their fingers and, uh, and just couldn't do it. But then, it's past Wednesday. I couldn't believe my ears. Suddenly, in this moment, Daisy looks at her grandmother and decides she trusts Grandma's voice more than she trusts this thing. And she lets Grandma take her out into the water. Let me tell you something. Within five minutes, this child's swimming across the pool. She had three different strokes. How do you swim five minutes and get three different kinds of strokes? Within an hour, she was treading water. Uh, within another hour, she was going up to the wall over the pool and ju- jumping off with nobody to catch her. I'm just looking at her. I thought, what does transformation do? When you lose your floating, <laughs> whatever it is that you feel secure with and dependent upon, when you finally lose your floating, transformation will set you free. Freer than you've ever been in. It was a euphoric day for Daisy. She headed off to Florida with her parents. Notice I have the floaty. She doesn't have it. She loves to, she found the freedom. Fear. See, that's what perfect love does, doesn't it? It casts out fear. It not only covers a multitude of sins, it casts out fear. It's a love that never, ever fails. Daisy decided I trust, we were singing it, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Daisy decided, I trust my grandma. My grandma would never allow me to be hurt. And she trusted her more than her floaty. That's what the rich young ruler couldn't do. What did Jesus say? (laughs) One thing you lack. Go and sell all you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. He couldn't give up his riches. It was his floaty. In closing this morning, I want to ask you, what's your floaty? You know, you're a cute young lady, but I must say, you would look silly walking around in that. So would I. So would you. It's time to drop the floaty, whatever it is. Whatever that is your security other than Christ. Whatever is your goal other than being transformed into his glorious image. You see, it's not just about career. It's not just about achievements. It's not just about the lowest golf score. It's, it's not a, none of that. Our goal is to be transformed into his glorious image. Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for this process of transformation I thank you for the glimpses of glory that you give every one of us. Sometimes it's in the mirror as we read your word. Sometimes it's in the life of someone else. Sometimes it's in some circumstance or situation. When we witness people do things that we realize, wow, that's way beyond them. A lot like Peter opening his mouth in faith. 
and allowing God to fill it. Lord, I pray this day we'll take off our floaties. We'll put our trust in you. And we'll say, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. Anybody need a little transformation? Just raise your hand. Several. Willing to drop the floaty? Willing to let it go? Then, Lord, in the name of Jesus, according to the desire of their heart, as they've raised their hand in faith and said, here I am, Lord, right here, right here, Lord. I'm ready to be transformed again and again and again and again until that glorious day when we shall all stand in your glorious presence and our joy will be made full in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.